Welcome to the Humans of Real Estate, your weekly podcast chatting with real estate industry professionals. We bring you top performing individuals to showcase their knowledge and expertise in the business to help others learn and grow. Here's your hosts, Kobe Clark-Jacobs and Emily Wallace. Taz Bartels from Marshall White is a young and thriving agent who we cannot wait to see more of. Born and raised in Bayside, Taz is well acquainted with the local area and brings exceptional knowledge for all of his clients. Taz believes in clear and open communication and providing world-class service for his clients. We cannot wait to hear more of his story today. Welcome, Taz. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me here, guys. Thanks for jumping on board. Now, Taz, we were just saying off air before that you're a little bit different in in comparison to other agents we've interviewed because you're young in the industry, um, you're a real go-getter and I think this episode is going to be one that people are looking to get into the industry will probably turn to um, to get some real life insight as to what it's been like because yep. um, a lot of people we interview, they're like, oh, back when I was, you know, starting out 20 years ago. Um, yeah. So tell us, first of all, how did you actually land in deciding to get into real estate? Yep, great question. So I would have been uh, probably 18 at the time and finished school, went to Hatherby College and um, the parents and family always were in property, sort of surrounded by property, whether it be developments or my grandpa used to do something with elders back in the day. And um, my dad knew someone at Ray White in Morty Alec, um through connections. So I got a job there, would have been 18 at the time. And I think my role would have been the very bottom end of the chain. So that's where you start. And mm. I was going, well, how do I start? And I met with the director there and I was essentially just a door knocker, a prospector who got leads and all those leads were essentially handballed to him. And I guess you get a split of the commission if you were successful with that. Um, and then I've, I've sort of hopped around a little bit, but you sort of do to find where you should be and where you want to be. Mm. So that was in Aspendale, was there for six months. Um, but I think you need to, looking back now, I think I would have maybe suggested to start where I wanted to work. Yeah. Because that's – now I'm currently in Bayside and Brighton and I think maybe looking back now four years past, I should have maybe started back in Brighton working for a director and getting that experience within those streets because I've sort of not wasted six months of my life when I was there but I think you've got to start where you want to eventually work. Yeah. That way you're always familiar with what you're doing. We've heard that from a few people. Mm. Yeah. What made you decide on Marshall White in the end? Um. It sort of came to me without sounding arrogant. Um, <laughs> it's sort of it was sort of the right move. I went from Aspendale um, all the way up to Buxton in in Hampton East mm-hmm. and worked for a couple of guys there. Loved that, and then I just think that wasn't for me. I loved it. Um, couldn't say anything wrong with it. And then Marshall White, um, a gentleman named Matt Pilios, <laughs> he moved across and jumped ship. And I think he never looked back and sort of said, "Look, you need to come with me." So I've never looked back there and. Great company, very professional, um, I think. I guess, compared to what I've worked for. Mm. I think of it, looking back now, it's I've come out of those places as a boy and I'm now a man. Mm. If Without laughing, I think that's how I feel. It's very professional, the way they operate mm. and top down. Everything comes from top down, whether mm. it's director all the way to the, you know, the, fr- the person at the front desk. It's just all the way how it works. Yeah, big thing around culture there. Obviously, being an 18-year-old, finishing school and jumping straight into real estate, I imagine there might have been a level of sacrifice at that age when real estate is very Saturday heavy, um, probably not going out on chapel on a Friday night or maybe you were, I don't know. Um, <laughs> what, what did that look like? Did you feel like you had to give up anything at that age to be in real estate? Yes, you certainly do feel a bit of 
lost connection. I think when I first started, yeah, it was almost sort of I was ahead of the game because most of my friends are doing uni or they're in that limbo period where they might have a gap year where they went away and partied hard for a year and spent $20,000 worth of their savings, which now they've got none, mm. which essentially I look back now thinking I probably could have done that and time back then is nothing. Mm. Like I look even back now I'm still struggling with work-life balance because it just eats up your whole time. But even still, like for me, I've got mates who have parties on Friday nights and want to go to the bar and have a few drinks. I might go for a drink and then go home. But then you looked at that guy who goes, oh, you're leaving early. I mean, personally, I'm into fitness and stuff, so I don't really care that much. But you're right, it does take a lot of your time out. And even still today, and it still will ever probably take time out because you come to the end of a Saturday and you're absolutely screwed. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like the last thing you want to do is speak to anyone because you've been talking all day to everyone, mm. let alone your mates at the end of the day who want to get, you know, have a few drinks. Mm. You wake up Sunday shocking because it's your only day off too. Mm. A lot of people getting into real estate when I was 18 going, wow, nice cars, you know, the Rolexes, the nice suits, the slick hair. Now I've actually got slick hair, funnily enough. <laughs> um, but I think your yeah, Sunday's your only day off. So you've got to make sure that, you know, make it worthwhile. So a lot of the times you know, you probably do cop a little flack from your mate saying, well, come out. And, but I've got Sundays the day off. I'd rather go cycling in the morning and hang out with, you know, friends during the day, go out for lunch. You know, we hang out for lunch and it's they're all hung over. <laughs> well, yeah, at the same time I do go out, yeah. but I think um, a good friend, Chris Hassel, used to say the same thing. He had a lot of sacrifices and he went from a receptionist to one of mm-hmm. the directors and one of the good agents in Melbourne. Same thing. Um, he made a lot of sacrifices. Mm. And I'm going, shit, that's actually probably true. It is. Like I don't not go out and have fun and be myself, but it's just you've got to rein it back a bit because you don't have that free reign. How do you find your work-life balance? Good question. Um, I do struggle with it, um, with a partner as well. I think that's certainly something where you sort of, you feel guilty. You're not, when you're there, I'm not really switched off. And we've had a few chats about it, you know, working on it and stuff. But I think you've really got to, now I look back every time it does come up in conversation, when you're at work, you got to work. And then when you're not at work, you're not at work. Unless you've got to, a given scenario where you've got a contract that needs to be signed or you're expecting a phone call. Um, my age too, it's just hard. Like it's just, there's so much stuff going on. Whereas, you know, I haven't got a house, but it's just mates catching up and all that sort of stuff. And she wants to hang out or whatever, mm. vice versa. You just got to, if you're at work, you're at work, but reward yourself. Like just say, well, Friday afternoon from three until six, it's my, it's our time or it's my time. Mm. Even in the morning, like you might do Fridays. I start at 11 instead of starting at eight, just reward yourself. That way you've got like time to do it. But I think Monday to Thursday is sort of a strong hustle. Um, and then whether you go, no, nah, I'm not working past eight tonight. I'll start early at seven so I can switch off at eight. Yeah. It's a discipline to put that in place, I think. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of people do fall down. Um, yeah. Even myself, I get caught up in like, oh, I've got to get the deal done, you know, like it doesn't matter what time of the day it is, we do it. But I think that's a mentality of real estate that probably needs to be broken down a bit more of, you know, taking time for yourself, taking time for others, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Can it, I make one point? Yeah, go for it. With, I mean, COVID is obviously a shocking thing, but I think coming out of it, the only positive I've learned from it is work-life balance mm. and working is not everything. It's your family, it's your own time, it's your mental health. And I think real estate is somewhere where a lot of mental health issues happen mm. but don't get spoken about, whereas people are not okay. And I think given Eric this year and I know the, I think it was Mel, uh, the real estate conference that we just had recently, that was all mental health. Like you go to an Eric, all these massive, you know, pump-up shows. It's always about listing, sell, negotiate, get the next deal. But now it's all about like, you know, work-life balance. You know, if you, if you feel stressed, just take the afternoon off or speak to someone about it. 
I reckon that's ace. From what's the only thing that's come out of COVID from that for me mm. is a major thing is just it's not all about work and work-life balance. So it's something that's getting better, I think, and more recognised. Definitely. It's way more prominent as a conversation um, and I think the more it's talked about or the more that it becomes a norm, the mm. more that people are happy to speak up and, you know, seek help where they need it Yeah, great. Um, and not feel like it's a stigma that's attached to that or something that's an unknown because um, I think there's a lot more education about it, which is great. Um, and I also think given like, you know, the real estate industry in the agent space is very male heavy. Yes. Like it, it's an overwhelming percentage. I don't know what the stats are, but just from we know who we deal with, you know, like very rarely we're dealing with a female agent um, and, you know, men's mental health. It's actually men's health week this week. Yeah, that's enough, right. We're yep. recording in, yeah, in mid-June. I think it's so important and I'm sure there's other industries as well that um, have a similar sort of mentality of hustle, hustle, hustle and keep yep. going and that sort of thing. But, yeah, it's quite a, um, a valid point to be making. Now, obviously being in the Marshall White office under that umbrella, there's um, a level of varying um, time in the game, so to speak, in terms of people in that office. Yep. Some people have been at 20 years, some have been at five and people have different ways of doing things. What's your approach given um, – your time in the game so far, it's not necessarily, you know, some people come come on and say, oh, we've got a lot of repeat business now because, you know, mm. um, we sold for them 10 years ago and now they're ready to buy their next place. What's been your approach to actually get business in the door? Because I imagine it's maybe not super, super easy. No, you're right. It's um, every day is a new day. You have days where you're like, yep, this is why I'm in real estate. Then the next day you're like, no. Why am I in real estate? It's such a it's a, such a funny business to be in. And I think whenever I first started, I got told, just be a sponge and, you know, surround yourself. There's that saying, surround yourself who, you know, you want to be like or your net worth. You know, the five people you hang around who is your net worth. Mm. And um, I've sort of done that in the last sort of three years, not without making it obvious, but to slowly dropping people away. And that's the same thing with work. Surround yourself by by people who you like, what they do. I mean, you might like the best guy in the office. You might not like anything they do from a prospecting, but it works for them. Mm. So we've got people in our office who prefer to catch up for coffee and that's their prospecting. But then we've got people in the office who make 100 phone calls and that's their prospecting. They both get the same amount of business. Mm. So this is either way. Personally, I like, I like both. I'm a very social person, but at the same time, I can sit down and make 100 phone calls if I need to. Um, so I think I've surrounded myself by a few of the older people just to see how they communicate with people because as we know we're in the people business people communicate so differently mm. whether they're older younger younger separated together um everyone does it differently but i think you've got to surround yourself what i have by five or six guys in the office mirror them whether it's in a negotiation passing during the auction and seeing what they say you, you just model to yourself you take probably five ten bits of bits of data and then create it to your own. What do you think sets you apart from other agents, Taz? Oh, it's a tough one. Um, I think my enthusiasm, um, given I'm sort of young, you don't have that, I don't know if this is the right word, baggage or, you know, leaves hanging off to you from commitments. You know, I don't have kids, don't have like, you know, um, a business to run. And I think you just, you're passionate about something. If you're not passionate, you can see it in someone mm. and you can just see they're faking it until they make it. But I, I truly love what I do. Um, you've got to make the decision whether you want to help someone or not. And I think that's the first thing you've got to do. And if people don't help people first, you can tell in the conversation without a process. And I think I just want to help people and people realise that when you speak to them the truth. Yeah, I think that's really key. I think, um, I mean, I don't think many people could survive in the industry without a passion for 
people, I don't actually think, and this might be controversial, but I actually don't think people have to love property as yep. in like a product type of property um, and be all consuming by, you know, knowing all the different elements in the property and mm. what type of floorboards they are and what type of yeah. bench. I actually don't think you have to have that to be passionate about the industry. I don't. I certainly yeah. don't. Like I can probably, if someone picked me apart, I'd crumble, I reckon. <laughs> but um, overall, yeah, you just need to be be honest and that's the best thing too. I think looking back now, it's just all about honesty. Yeah. If a client can see straight through you, mm. especially when, you know, in our area, the affluent area of Brighton and Bayside, the chances are the person you are selling to or dealing with, they've had three or four transactions. So for someone young like me, I sort of can't afford to step something wrong. Yeah. So whether it's the, you know, you're doing a negotiation and you're, you're $10,000 away, the old school agent or a director, you know, they've got six other deals under their belt, might just go, you know what, just take, take it $10,000 short. With, with, because of X or Y, whereas I'd probably hustle that extra 10, you know, an extra three or four phone calls just to get it, just because I need it. Yeah. Because I need the runs on the board to get up there. Yeah. But I think this industry is getting a lot younger. I think a lot of the older people are going, wow, like look at these young guys staying in the office young or just the way they're calling or, you know, a lot of older people expect it to come to them, but they haven't done the groundwork. Yes, you've been in it for 20 years, but I feel like even people in our office, you know, they probably hate me saying this, but there's people <laughs> in our office who just think stuff will come. Mm. But you've got younger people like me and others in the office who just want it more. Mm. And you, people just see like, I'm going to give it to this guy because he wants it rather than being complacent. Do you think um, older, generally speaking, not talking about just your office, but yeah. in general, um, people who have been in a longer time, do you think they're receptive to learning from, you know, younger sort of way of hustling or are they sort of just? Yes and no. Mm. Um, I probably want to say no because they've been, they've done what they've done. They're successful. They're a director. They've got, you know, power, which all respect, give them credit for it because mm. they've started from when they have. But I think moving forward, every business will be changing. If you don't change with the current climate, you'll be tenfold behind. And that's something what Marshall White and them, like even our marketing department is out of control. Like the stuff they produce and turn over and show to us is just like, wow. And you see that in the next, you know, six months' time that we created six months ago and it's just airing. Like people are just in front of the times. But you need to be too. Even with social media like the um, real-time agent app and all that sort of stuff, digital contracts. Mm. Like who would have thought we'd sign a digital contract these days at auction? Mm. Like no one. We love real-time agent. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? We re- like it makes our li- – like all the data you just put it in and, you know, auto-populates and sign yep. away. It's so much easier. I hate using DocuSign. DocuSign. <laughs> Shout out to agents who use DocuSign. Please convert to real-time agent. Seriously. <laughs> does our head in. Side note. Taz, on a less serious note, mm-hmm. have you had any horror stories, any, any horrible things happen to you whilst working in real estate? Um, not horrible stories. But you're always here. Um, I'm quite close to my grandparents and they always tell me, oh, like make sure no one shuts the door behind you. And um, oh. meaning like if you go for an appraisal with like, it's a lot like with females, you got to be careful more so. Yeah. But if you're with like a gentleman by themselves, we've had a few cases in the office where there's been a gentleman who's calling out female agents in the area mm. and, um, you know, just looking at them and just being weird. Oh, God. So I think um, back in that. <laughs> No, I think it's, it's just a scary thing. Some people are just not quite right and yeah. Yeah. your safety. Um, there was one gentleman who used to work at um, Ray White Asmodale, older gentleman, and um, 18 at the time, I just sort of a bit of a rookie, but he started closing all these doors. Every every room we went into, closed the door. That's probably the only thing, but I don't really 
I don't know. I don't, don't get attracted to it. That's creepy. That is creepy. I never thought about that, calling in female no. agents. That's um, that's an interesting It can happen. And obviously it's just to anyone out there, just just be careful. Yeah. you don't know who you're dealing with. Or try and go in a team maybe. Yeah. yeah. That's like probably the, buddy. That's the, safety, <laughs> that's the safest thing. Yeah. But it can happen and it has happened. Wow. And um, yeah, now I'm fully aware of it. Wow. That's a real insight. I think people yeah. sort of like be like, whoa. Mm. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of strange people out there. Yeah. Not everyone's all, you know, bright and colourful. Yeah. <laughs> <Bright and> I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Now, outside of real estate, I know you mentioned before about cycling and your energy fitness and things like that. Um, what keeps you busy when you're not listing and selling? Good question. Um, I always get told I don't have enough hobbies. Okay. Um, <laughs> my main hobby is probably cycling. Like I think about it now, like most of the hobbies you do cost you money, yeah. whether it be going in the snow, going sailing, riding, like, you know, a good road bike these days will set you back $10,000. So it's, it's just, you know, price of a car. Um, but I think cycling is good. I love fitness. I just think one makes me mentally sort of good. And then like, I like just socializing of it. Um, go to the gym a lot, very fitness orientated. Girlfriend hates me for that. Um, she'd rather stay in bed and cuddle and all that sort of stuff. But I think, no, I certainly like to get out and about where I was going walk, socialising, um, catch up with mates. Sometimes, you know, obviously parents as well. I don't live with them anymore, but you know, it's good to catch up with them. Yeah. Um, I think social impact for real estate, you've got to keep it up. Mm-hmm. Like that's probably one of my biggest things every year of like my tick, lock, tick box for every year that I want to achieve is just being social. Because sometimes I can become a hermit crab just with real estate going, no, nah, I've got to work tomorrow. And it's the last thing I want to do is go out on a Friday night and then I've got work Saturday morning. I'm like hungover. I'm like, no. Like I'm sort of – but everyone everyone goes through that phase of going through that drinking stage and then you grow up and you've got real jobs. So at the age of 24 now, mm. um, everyone's sort of into that jobs and stuff. So yeah. they're sort of a bit more mature. Um, yeah. But, yeah, overall what I do, it's probably cycling, catch up with mates because that's something I don't get to do a lot, family and friends. Do you find you socialise or know other agents from other agencies? Yep, yep. Yeah, I've got a few mates from different agencies. I mean, one that I've worked at three, but um, certainly you, you might other. – I've got a few from um, different agencies who ride bikes, okay. whether it be, you know, likes of directors of other companies and, you know, young people like me, they're just into cycling and you just find your common ground, whether someone might like, you know, cars and they're into cars and they just both on Sunday go for a drive in their cars. It, or they wash their car together on a Friday, which I do. I'm obsessed with washing my car. I just love cars as well. That's probably another thing I do a lot. Do you have a membership at um? What is it, Crystal, Crystal Car Wash? No, I don't. I can't. I can't fathom to pay for someone to wash my car. I just love it. Oh, you do it yourself? Yeah, I do it every Friday, no matter what. And I'll really? probably yeah every like don't miss it. Yeah. Wow. I'm a clean outsource freak. that stuff. Well, I just think if you love it, do it. Okay. And my grandpa's always said, never rock up to an appointment with a dirty car. Yeah. Because you are your own business within the company mm. and your own personal brand. So I think if I see someone with a dirty car, different, but from my perspective, you feel so clean and refreshed if you drive a clean car yep. or if you, you know, wear a new suit or you've got clean shoes, you just feel like clean and fresh and ready yeah. to go. Look good, feel good. Yeah. yeah. It's totally. your image. That's 100% your yeah. image. Just on a closing note, um, for those listeners who are the people who are turning to this podcast to get some insight of the industry, what it might look like for them, mm-hmm. what would be some key advice you'd give to someone? I know you mentioned before about working in the area that you actually want to be in, but outside yep. of that, what other advice would you uh, suggest? Um, certainly look to people, I think if you're young, um, and I had to do it again, look for different agencies, maybe see if you can call the director or a salesperson up for a coffee and go out for a couple of coffees with them just to see who they are, but try and gel with someone who you like. 
Otherwise, you you got to be faking it till you make it. And I feel like that's not what I did, but I had no idea where I wanted to start. And that's probably because I rushed it because I just wanted to get straight into real estate. But just have your checklist ready from the areas you want to work in, uh, maybe friends and family to see if they know anyone, um, or just go to a few opens and suss agents out, mm. like what potential vendors do to us now. You know, you go to open listings and I think it's like 40% of the people come through are potential vendors who are just sussing out agents. So it's the same thing with, I think, looking for a job. Um, I think you've got to figure out whether you want to do it or not. Mm. I think a lot of people see the outside image and go, wow, that's amazing. But then you get into the door, in the suit, in the car, working seven or six days a week and they go, this is not for me. And there's certainly times where I've thought, I'm like, no, like this is way too hard. Because you have days, like I said before, where you're like, yep, this is why I'm in it. I put three deals together or one or two, whatever. Um, but then you have like for a whole month, I haven't sold one thing. Why am I doing it? You have great conversation with one person and then someone will put you down. And yeah, the fear of rejection, I think it's the biggest thing for real estate or call reluctance. You know, I don't want to call this person because he won't answer or you'll, they'll yell at me. So, yeah. but it gets a time where you just like, you just got to do what you got to do and be doing your job. It's such a roller coaster. I think all in all, like the, you know, you can put, three deals together in a week and that's a great week and then you can have three weeks of nothing and it is that constant um battle Mm -hmm. of trying to get balance we were even talking about the the term consistency yesterday and i was saying to kobe like our goal was to get some consistency in the business but it actually that's almost the impossible to achieve because you can't predict what's going to happen. You can't predict how many houses are going to become available for someone who yeah. might want to buy it. You can't predict the market trends, like getting consistency in real estate. The only thing you can be consistent at are your efforts. I reckon yeah. that's it. Consistently call, consistently be, you know, show up and, mm-hmm. and do your job, but you actually can't consistently predict the outcome because it's actually somewhat out of your control. But yeah, it's one of those industries where, you know, if you work hard, you'll get the return. And I think a lot of people going, well, you know, it's just a job, nine to five, you rock up, you work 50%, but you still get paid 100%. It's one of those things where I've heard personally, it takes five years to sort of get some some calls. You know, rather than making 100% ampound calls, you might, eventually you want sort of 80, 20 of getting people going, I want to use Taz or I want to use that person. Um, and that's what some of the directors obviously are known for is I just get calls and I'm going, ripping my hair out going, how the hell is that possible? Like <laughs> when's my turn? Get cold. <laughs> yeah. But I guess the same thing, like um, from a, I might be a buyer's agent, you know, work with buyers mm. and then, you know, service the hell out of them, helping the buy. Even though you're young, you know, they'll, they'll remember you. They'll be like, oh, you got to use Taz to help you buy. Mm. Stay in contact and they'll be selling with you down the track. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to deep dive a bit more into your experience to date. I think it's been a super helpful episode for people who are wanting to get into the industry and, and hear it sort of firsthand how you found it. Yep. Um, certainly keen to keep an eye on how things unfold for you over the years. And um, thanks so much for being a part of it today. No worries. Thank you to you both. Really appreciate it. Thanks to you.